0: If a place like the U.S. cannot survive after all the help that they have gotten, here we don't have any help. Or a G.O. that was passed saying that, you know, three months don't charge rent or even our EMIs or interest rates, any of this being reduced, none of that has been done. Everything is just so hazy right now. We we don't really know how we are placed, how we are going to be surviving this. We have questions, but there is no one who can give us a solution or an answer to this.
1: Like many other industries, the food and hospitality sector in India is going through a major overturn due to the coronavirus pandemic. Chief among them are the independent restaurant owners. It's during these highly uncertain times that the community has leaned into each other further and bringing in creative solutions to ride out this period. If you love the food at that madras place, summer house eatery, patina or the salad bar per se, then you already know the person behind it. As I chat with chef and restaurateur Matangi Kumar, we discuss the ongoing turmoil and what to expect in eating out as the unlock begins. I'm Mahati Rangarajan, and this is Maharani Talks. So, you know, I uh, remember when that Madras place opened. I think it was way back in 2013.
0: Yes, August 2013, yes.
1: Yeah, and uh, we were like um, so eager to come check out the place. And when we did it, I remember it being packed.
0: Yeah, I, I love those times, actually.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. We miss those times. Yeah. And I, we had to like go back, you know, we were a little disappointed. I was like, oh, gosh, and we were like looking forward to trying. And uh,
0: I hope you did come back.
1: Yes, many times, in fact. <laughs> I've lost count. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I read that three days into opening that Madras place, your kitchen staff quit. Yes. What was it like going through that kind of stress so early on?
0: Actually, I'll tell you. So the day we opened, what had happened is there was a strike with um, a lot of the, like basically the lorries that carry your greens and all of that, that a strike was going on. So which meant that I was supposed to open for lunch and run through the day. But that day I couldn't because all my produce was stuck outside the city. So the first day that happened, the second day we had power cuts. And my generator oh was not automatically connected for some reason. That was a fault. So that happened. I had to deal with that on the second day. And then the third day, my staff quit. So it was a very eventful, jam-packed first week. I have never in my wildest imagination, because every day after a point, I started looking forward to these problems. Okay, what, what is it going to be next? What is it going to be next? But... Not having staff was actually one of the worst because not having food to cook also you can always say because our response was we are opening the evening so we figured out the rest of the food that had to come in and and we sorted that out. So that part was fine the first day. The second part, it was pitch dark during dinner and nobody could see their food or see the person in front of them because there were no lights. So that was an issue. And then later part became something else. So there's always one issue after the other that we were constantly facing. Yeah. And uh, to me, that was just very, very scary because um, when staff leave, it's a they're because oh, it's a woman. She's 23 years old. Why do I need to listen to her? So those were the sort of problems at that point of time. Now things are very different. I don't really face these issues anymore. But the thing is, there are still problems that we are stuck with now and then with similar. Uh, issues because unfortunately in food business itself, you don't really see the most trained, well-educated staff who come. So it's very difficult for you to sort of explain and make them understand that you know. It, let's not be very sexist in in this business, is what. Well. But again, in the last seven odd years, not that many women have have still entered the food. I mean, they have. They have, of course run restaurants, but they're not the kind who cook and manage the way. You know, like Shrita, right. and Shrita from Meze and Al-Khabab, she does that, I do it. And then there are very few people like this in the business at the moment.
1: Okay. Do you, um, do you still, in a way, now if you wanted to start a restaurant, do you still think you would be facing those problems uh, as a woman, uh, you know, restaurateur?
0: So uh, after that, Madras Place, we opened three other businesses too. So one is uh, the Summer House Eatery that's in Alwar Pit. Then Patina, where I met you, uh, yes friend. And then another a valid uh, concept in, um, in Phoenix. Per se. Per se, yes. So these are all concepts. but Again, it's just that there was a lot to learn from the first business that over a period, things changed. And now with Corona, there is more things for all of us to learn. So uh, over a yeah. period, yes, it has not been that difficult getting staff. But the problem still remains, people not treating you too well because you're a girl automatically assume that you don't have what it takes to run a hot kitchen. Those are still there, but the minute they sort of accept that you're the boss and you're the one who's going to be training and taking, okay. that mentality change. It's a more I think the bigger thing is you have to sort of prove yourself to every one of your new staff for them to gain that trust and respect.
1: Right. And like you said, in the f- uh, food industry, that staff is like a very, um, like a floating staff. You never know who's going to stay- stick on for how long.
0: True. So very... you'll have
1: to like uh, reorient them over and over again.
0: They, and they quit for the oddest reasons. They quit because they give biryani in another restaurant for staff food. So I'm sorry, you're giving me just dal and rice. I'm giving you a healthy meal. That's all that matters, you know. Right. People don't get it. So hoping that it changes
1: have you ever felt uh, fed up oh god why am, am i doing this
0: oh at one point every day i used to feel that i used to force myself to get out of bed at one point because because running a restaurant can be very overwhelming you have these internal issues that you are dealing with and on top of that there are issues from outside like the customer feedback there are reviews that you're getting online then there are ratings and then there is the paper people coming from the paper to write about uh, you So there's just so much happening that it can never be the kind of business or you're never in a kind of situation where you can pick saying, I'll deal with this today and something else tomorrow. You sort of have to manage everything all day, every day. So at one point, it was very difficult because I didn't expect it to be such a rush. rush, You know, of so many things because it's accounts and it's marketing and then it's kitchen and then it's service. X, Y, Z keeps coming. So every day, I think for the first year and a half until I actually took my first break, being, you know, I took two days off. Until then, I felt terrible. Then I needed that pressure to sort of, I think, take some rest, sleep it off, and then come back. I felt a little energized.
1: How did you get through such a um, demanding uh, period? You know, like, what did you have to tell yourself every day to get out of bed?
0: Uh, I just had to tell myself that, okay, there are people who have trusted and invested in me in this business. I don't have a choice, but it is all just tough love. You got to tell yourself that you can't be this lazy person sitting at home. It can't happen. And of course, I get like a solid kick from both my parents saying that you signed up for this, so now you deal with it. (laughs) Tough love. Tough love, all the way.
1: Okay. Um, How has the past three months been like? I can't even imagine for all so, of you.
0: In a way, uh, the past three months, I feel like uh, it has given me time to work on myself. And considering that there were so many businesses at that point, uh, you could, you your brain needs that break also for you to process and think about new things, new ideas, new concepts. So it gave me that time to work on that. Uh, so in a way, okay. I, I actually quite enjoyed the first couple of weeks because. This, again, COVID is a situation that is beyond any of our control. Because the minute yes. you step out of your house, uh, probably we belong to the, you know, we could be asymptomatic. Uh, we might not get the infection. But we always come yeah. to homes where we have parents, grandparents who are over the age of 60. There are kids around us, um, you know. So what if someone get, gets an infection? So the fear sort of helps that, you know, you stay put at home. And it also helped in advising staff and other people saying you guys should also take this time to work on yourself to you know, get better or even and the thing is usually in, in the f and the hospitality industry itself, we work more than 12 hours a day. Yeah. Our work ends up becoming less. so I think all of them really needed that break to work on themselves to work not just on their mental health but also their physical health. So in a way, yes, okay. I appreciate it but push comes to shove, we have reached the point where we have to figure out how our businesses are going to progress and function beyond this.
1: Yeah, it's time to face the world.
0: Yeah, and it's time for us to start weighing options to see how, what the future is going to be like. So, in a way, now I think we have reached the point where we are happy with all the rest that we have gotten. Now, let's pull our socks up and see what next we can do to contribute.
1: During this time, have you had a chance to reach out to uh, others in your industry to just see what what, is the, what are they going through collectively? All, all of you are going through collectively.
0: So uh, I also have business partners who are involved in other, uh, you know, other hospitality industry projects. So uh, what we are hearing is quite similar. What we are going through is quite similar because uh, other than Indian food, which is like the go-to food, which is also relatively more, in- you know, inexpensive when compared to the kind of food that I typically deal with, uh, people are going back to that because, Uh, A, it's comforting and more than anything, if it's inexpensive, you can do more food outside more often. So, uh, the problems have been very similar because we deal with a certain amount of skilled staff and skilled labor also. And most of them are not from here. So, all of us have sent our staff back home because their safety has been priority. Yeah. Most of these restaurants and especially think about concepts like Japanese and Korean restaurants. They end up being typically the Northeast staff and... You know, fear of, uh, of them having some, you know, some sort of infection or picking up something here. We have yeah. to make sure that all of them go back home. So we are at a point where we don't know what to do because we don't know if they will come back or if they will come back. And what, where does that leave us? Is it okay for us to get staff here? But would they have the same level of skill? How much is it going to start affecting our business uh, after this? All these are things that we, that we are worried about right now.
1: Okay. So during this, uh, say about three months, uh, that Madras place, Summer House Eatery and Patina and all, have uh, you completely shut them or were they doing takeout? uh, We
0: were doing takeout from all our places. But the problem is uh, we also need some sort of support from the government to tell us, uh, you know, or to tell our landlords that uh, because if you actually see stats in terms of the amount of business that most restaurants were doing in the month of March. Because I think at that time, people started speaking about Corona so much that even though there was no lockdown, the number of people stepping out had significantly reduced. So if we usually do X amount of business, we were doing X by three at that time. We were barely making any money and uh, landlords are still continuing to charge us the same amount of rent. There has been no reduction. Except for very few people who have been very understanding through this, most of them are expecting the same thing. And at the same time, you want to ensure that your staff have a place to stay. So expenses have skyrocketed at this time. And even our basic vegetables, like how people are finding it difficult to you know, to be able to source a lot of things. Yeah. There is in, there's excessive inflation also that is going on at the moment. Uh, so initially, it made sense yeah. we already had resources so we could keep the place open but right now we have gone past the phase of just having resources because how long do we keep you know struggling to make ends meet because forget a profit you're not even able to cover our expenses at this point of time because a people are very scared to buy because if uh, that there's news that a swiggy um, you know delivery executive had you know because of him 75 people had actually gotten corona so that scares you and automatically want to keep away because if it happened in another place it could happen here as well we're not too sure we're not too sure about and as a restaurant I can regardless of how much I say uh, you know we are checking temperatures we are doing you know we are sanitizing uh, as regularly as possible there is minimum uh, you know in terms of contact with the food even though we say all of that the, the bigger problem is how much do people really trust us how and are they willing to accept and agree so we automatically saw a significant dip in our sales and for the amount of staff that we were keeping to the sales that we were making it just did not make sense so we sort of had to really decide that okay would you rather have your staff safe or would you rather keep selling food to make very little money you would rather cut your losses at that time and say you know what let's take a break let's reevaluate when can open So, we did try selling until the beginning of of April, but we just did not make any business. You know,
1: uh, there was actually a New York Times article that came out in March, April, um, just about two months back, that predicted about 75% of independent restaurants will sadly uh, go out of business, will be permanently shut. Uh, This is in US. And... uh, such a situation is highly possible in India as well.
0: We are actually expecting a larger percentage than that in India.
1: Oh, is it? Okay. The thing
0: is, um, there are a lot of, in fact, a lot of help given by the government for the, the hospitality business itself in general. Um, you know, there, there were a lot, even though there are going to be significant pay cuts or if uh, staff were let go, uh, people were constantly writing about it. The government was paying. Uh, attention to this! They knew that there were big names involved, so they did not just ignore an entire industry. But unfortunately, just yeah. like we have been ignored. So at this time, if if a place like the U.S. cannot survive, after all the help that they have gotten here, we don't have any help. There's yeah. No, uh, you know, a Geo that was passed saying that you know three months don't charge rent, or um, you know or even our EMIs or interest rates, any of this being reduced, none of that has been done. So uh, they're saying that standalone restaurants, 70-75% will close, but we're actually expecting it might be higher because you, know, you keep getting these data from AIMS, Delhi, that talks about how we have not even reached peak as yet. But right now, you know, we are in Chennai where there were thousand cases just yesterday in Madras.
1: Yeah, Chennai has become one of the worst hit states. Uh, Sorry, Tamil Nadu. Nadu,
0: But unfortunately on the 8th, we are going to open full-fledged. Most of the things are going to be open. I mean, of course, not schools and colleges, you know, thank God. But, you know, the minute people are going to be mingling a lot more, they're going to be seeing, they're going to be seen outside and basic hygiene still, you know, in certain areas, they are very, very careful when, you know, there is a larger, older generation, you know, population settlement. But otherwise, uh, people are, are not maintaining social distance, they are not wearing masks, they are not using sanitizers, they are, yeah. you, you know, washing their hands regularly, there are quite a few of things, I mean, quite quite a few issues that that we are facing, so there might be another peak, and if there is another peak, and if there is another lockdown, which only means that without any of, any help from anywhere, or without Uh, I mean, of course, uh, small businesses are now, they're able to get loans. But the thing is, when will we repay those loans? The bigger question is, if we keep using loans just for survival, can they guarantee that in six months, this will be completely true, that we will be able to make back that money altogether? Because we still have to, a loan is still a loan. A loan is not a grant. We still have to repay that. Right. We are sort of, everything is just so hazy right now. We, are, we don't really know where, how we are placed, how we are going to be surviving this. Because we, in, in, there's a restaurant owner association group where this is spoken about. But even though it's spoken about, all of us keep discussing the same things over and over. We are just, all of us, how many of us will survive. But the point being, we have questions, but there is no one who can give us a solution or an answer to this. Has the NRAI been
1: reaching out to independent uh, restaurants and owners? So
0: NRAI is also a board where you have to register. Uh, in South, it's not okay. Not all of us have registered with the NRAI. But one good thing is when they put up guidelines, we do take a look at it. We do see it. We do uh, learn from it, whatever they, you know, whatever uh, material has been sent by them. But even there, again, uh, it, it's like a bill is yet, it's like yet to be passed it's there. What we need has been put together beautifully but it needs to be passed. It needs to be accepted for us to, you know, gain something out of it.
1: So how are you gearing up for this unlock one, phase one? You said you were just coming back from work. So are you anxious or, you know, are you like, uh, and there must be a lot of, I'm sure, nervous energy involved as well.
0: There is a lot of nervous energy involved because um, right now all that we can do is um this is also a wake up call in a lot of ways because now I think the farm to table sort of concepts or farm to folk sort of ideas should be more things that we concentrate on trying as much as possible to stay away from imported ingredients try using you know the ones that are available here and giving business to uh, you know locally manufactured yeah. things or or, or local artisans when it comes to food itself, whether it's a cheese or, you know, some sort of a processed meat or anything for that matter.
1: In fact, in the beginning of the year, you actually, uh, the food trends, you'd said that we will be going more local.
0: Yeah, going more local. But again, yeah. manufacturers had taken a break also, you know, at this time. But the thing is, I think, you start appreciating them more. You start giving, uh, you know, getting in touch with more with people like that than just simply importing our you know, cheeses from Italy and and France and cutting down cost barrier. I agree. Yeah. I think that makes more sense at this point of time. Or even if people want to do organic, there are so many organic suppliers now, uh, beautiful greens that are grown through hydroponics. Everything is now available here. It's not like it's, you know, it's, it's out of reach. It's a matter of finding all of these together and making sure that we embrace and we appreciate what is grown amongst us itself instead of trying to um you know copy something from a developed country at this point of time we are all going through similar things so let's just make sure that you know people amongst us itself they have jobs and trying to give business to some right. someone from another place
1: okay uh as you slowly open up um there's going to be a lot of conditions, right? You're going to have lesser tables because you have to follow social distancing norms and uh, you're probably going to have uh, smaller menus and hot food is going to be uh, preferred over cold food. Um, your supply chain is going to be, you know, I, um, I don't know where Indian, uh, sorry, independent restaurants are going to come in the pyramid of supply chain and and, uh, And you said your workers, they're all on Exodus. I mean, you don't know when they'll be coming back. So what is the best way to go forward? Do you see any innovative solutions to this? Do you think um, independent restaurants for the time being should act more like um, cloud kitchens?
0: I think the best um, response or the best thing that any of us can do right now is, uh, so from the 8th. even though uh, 50% dining is allowed, we are in the, you know, we're still, this is peak summer. It is so hot. And yeah. dining right now in a restaurant will not make any sense without any air conditioners because it's just not possible. None of us will be able to do it because this sort of intense heat is only a way of, I think, turning off the AC so that nobody sits in a place for too long and you're asking them to leave. <laughs> but essentially, yeah. it's like the reason why they keep saying no air conditioners anywhere. So even though they're saying that dining is allowed, nobody is going to a- eat. I don't know how many people are going to feel safe. And even if they do, will may be able to handle the heat. We don't know. So the investments that we have made in terms of a physical space to give people an experience have essentially gone waste at the moment. So that's just down the drain. The idea of uh, providing a service, people being served, waiters watching over you constantly, all that, because you want to restrict yourself or keep yourself away from, uh, you know, human interaction as much as possible at this time so that's the reason why most of the other uh, you know uh, consolidators like zomato and dineout they have these contactless dining options where you can scan you know using a qr code you can scan the menu and you can place an order yourself and another thing would be is dumbing down the menu as much as possible you bring down because yeah. now i think in tamil nadu itself it's a trend or even in chennai this you know having like a huge menu like with a, a 10 pages or 12 pages is so well appreciated but i think right now keeping things crisp small and limited options is the way to go because at least that will cut down your cost and in, a, in a, you know you can also make sure that your food is really fresh there is nothing that's being stored refrigerated for a long time because the more food moves you will also know that you know things that don't sell they don't try pushing it out to you and you don't want to be at this point of time so limited uh, menu yeah local ingredients i think is is the best way and i think we will i think most places will consider moving to a cloud kitchen model it doesn't make sense to okay. actually do it do you know concentrate on dining at all at the moment
1: yeah because even if you know everything starts opening up slowly people are still going to be anxious to step out and unless it's absolutely necessary and i i think dining out might might be the last thing on their minds
0: true but i also think that if the corporation permits uh, a good option will always be uh, seating you know food being served to you at your car. It's not a bad option. It's a good option. All of us grew up sitting at Woodlands drive-in, eating our meals, sitting in our cars. That's always an option because you know that you are in a safe environment. No one else has touched it. You can sanitize your car even like a hundred times because there's nobody else that's going to touch anything. So that way, you know that there is an option. You really want to get out of your house. You can sit in your car and have a meal. It's never a bad thing. So that if the corporation permits would be a very good choice because that's a great thing you you want to eat out but at the same time you are out and the food is fresh because the integrity of food always is not the same when you pack it and you send it somewhere like things like yeah that's true anything that is rice based or any starch based itself the minute it's packed sealed it you know there's condensation because it's so hot it tends to overcook it becomes gluggy so the food does not taste good anymore because you eat one dish at the restaurant and you pack the same dish and you bring it home, you just don't appreciate it the, you know, the same way. You just don't enjoy it as much. Yeah, I agree. So um, Because you get to enjoy food super fresh straight out of the kitchen also. Dine-in will, will sort of stop and dine-in like sitting in your car and dining-in will have a major comeback snack. Will definitely do.
1: But what about space constraints? Not every uh, restaurant has, uh, you know, place around them. Parking is an, it'll lead to issues of parking.
0: That will definitely be that. But I think the only way is to start looking at how like a McDonald's drive-in would do. Like a typical drive-in place where you can call in advance, food is ready, come pick it up, enjoy a meal and and go away. Or come pick it up and go. Because that way also you know the fact that your food is not, been traveling around to too many places and you know that you have to get back soon at, at an earlier time to consume your food also.
1: What about uh, third-party delivery uh, apps? Uh, you know, at a time like this, how have they been, uh, they reduced their commissions or what has the interaction been with them? Like,
0: I only wish that the commissions, um, you know, they even considered reducing the commission, but no. that, see, because this is the time for them to shine. They know that we're all dependent on them. They know that um, restaurants are not in a situation to buy, invest in 10 odd bikes and 10 odd, uh, you know, delivery persons for it and take these bags and walk around and phones for them. And it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of expense actually doing the whole delivery system, the model itself. So they know that we are at a point where we cannot be making investments like that. So that being said, they're clearly having a very good time. They're making very good money. Like, this is like the time for Dunzo, all of them. Dunzo, Swiggy, Zomato deliveries, you name it, they're all doing, they're making a killing right now.
1: Do you think it's feasible for an independent restaurant to maybe uh, have their own in-house delivery so that they don't have to rely on third party services?
0: See, the one good thing with, with uh, a Dunzo, for example, is they can deliver to any part of the city, As long as they're willing to pay the delivery charges, even if you, if you live in Ambatur and you want to place uh, you know, an order for a restaurant in Adyar, they will still do it for you. Because they have the manpower, they have that skill. But a restaurant in that way, when they're doing such long deliveries, they, they need a larger number of people to actually do those deliveries. It's also, there is fuel costs and a lot of things. So, provided it's an Indian restaurant, because North Indian, South Indian food always sells out a lot more than the other kind of food. For those kind of places, like for a Sangeeta, for example, to, to invest right now in more number of delivery persons makes sense. Okay. But let's say for a place like house or that midrash place, it does not make any sense because we already get lesser number of orders and this time we are getting lesser than what we used to. So it just does not make sense to be making, you know, spending that kind of money.
1: So are you uh, planning to open on June 8th or are you going to defer it for a while?
0: We are going to defer it for some more time because A, our staff still needs to come back. So we are hoping that once we come back, we'll have a better idea. And uh, we also want to see what the pulse is going to be like because we are trying to push our landlords as much as possible, hoping that there's a change of heart and they're a little bit more considerate of uh, what we are going through at the moment. And uh, then we'll, we'll also get an idea because I'm sure some people are eager to open right now. So it's something to learn and I think it's a matter of, yeah. uh, This this time has been great because you're able to build a relationship with other restaurant owners and uh, and chefs and cafe owners right now because we are all going through the same thing, you know, right, essentially. So it,
1: uh, yeah.
0: it's great for us to understand that business model better for them to understand what we are going through. So it, it's, it's been good. It's It's been a very, um, um, I think the, the relationship building itself has been very, very great.
1: Okay. So the community has come closer.
0: A lot closer than what we had expected.
1: Um, You were talking about landowners. Have they been uh, understanding and more cooperative? Landowners who live here
0: um, are better. But if you are, let's say your landlord does not live here, then it's very difficult because depending on where they live, they automatically assume that that's how things are happening here as well. So it is sort of not the best situation that we are in because we constantly need to make them understand, make them aware that, it's, that what we are going through is actually a lot, signif- a lot more difficult than what they are going through. But the minute they do, it's not like they don't consider. But again, the point being, it takes a lot of time for us to send the message across also.
1: Um, so how long do you think you need to brace yourself for this for, as a restaurant owner?
0: I think if you're able to write this for another six months... And then we're hoping that as Pfizer has promised that vaccines might be out in October or something. We're just hoping for the vaccines to click so that India seems like a much better place, much more safer place considering the, the population here. Uh, hopefully, yeah, another six months, I think we're able to pull through. We will survive.
1: Okay. You know, um, it so happened that the last restaurant that I w- visited before, you know, all this happened was Summer House Eatery. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I love the food and the setting of the place and everything. So I just curious to know, um, besides your restaurant, which was the last restaurant that
0: you visited? So the last restaurant I visited was, uh, Pum- Over oh, Pumpkin Tales is a new Chinese place that they have opened up. Yes. So the food was excellent. So I went there with a bunch of friends and then I went back with my sister. Uh, that was the last place I went to eat out. I, I love the, the food. And I, and I, and I love Chindi. I love the whole team. They are wonderful women.
1: Okay. Yes. I, I haven't tried their uh, the new place, but I love Pumpkin Tales. And I think it's been, um, there's been so innovative in giving out meal kits. That's true. Which I think is a, yeah, which I think is a great idea.
0: Yeah, so I think the meal kits are, are very, very nice for the simple reason that A, all of us have the time. You know, we have the time to actually sit, prep, do a lot of things. Even uh, I think Nootel also came up with a couple of interesting meal kits. So if you have children in the house, it's a great way to also keep them involved. It's a great way for them to learn. Because I think right yeah. now, what everybody has, since everyone's baking, since everybody is cooking at this time, people know what's going into their system. So I also have a feeling the positive side, the flip side of Corona doing whatever it has to us, people are more aware. They're learning more about food. So which also means that yeah. from a restaurant's point of view, now all places, all eateries in general itself have to provide better quality of food. You have to agree. Do something better, give something new because people know enough to question you and and tell you that what you're doing is not the best not right not authentic whatever whatever assorted reasons but the thing is people know better now they might have not traveled as much but the point is we have tried they have tested they understand food better now yeah the the right way to look at look at because i think people should stop saying uh, bangalore is 15 years ahead of us Uh, Bombay is 20 years ahead of us. Delhi is 20 years uh, uh, ahead of us when it comes to the food scene. But everywhere, I think, uh, the quality of food will progress exponentially after this point because it is high time that we also start doing our best and give the best, let it be quality, hygiene factors, everything will have to start improving right now. And I'm also hoping that with regard to the smaller push carts and, uh, you know, the smaller vendors who actually do great food that, like, like Singapore, for example, you know, they are provided a proper hawker center. Make it a place yeah. where all of them can come together. They're given the resources, like water, everything, and let them also provide excellent quality food, like what we, you know, when another country can do it, why not? As It's not like we don't have the space. And it's not like we don't have that many vendors. But this will actually help in, You know, giving them more options, giving them more stable income, because even they form a really, really large portion of the food business. So I'm hoping to see a lot more hawker centers in different parts of the city.
1: They just need to be stricter with the norms. I mean, you know, I think here they take it a little flexible. Yeah, but I agree with you. Yeah, the food trucks is a great concept.
0: Absolutely. Food truck is is a brilliant concept and there are a few food trucks but unfortunately food trucks here are supposed to be only in one place. It's supposed to be like a stationary food truck. So I think if they start giving these things say that you can move around, they can tweet or they can tell you on Instagram where they're going to be. All these are just plus points for us to also have food that is fresh, that is close to us so that we can also see how things are prepped. And I mean, I think... They did really well initially in Bangalore because they had more, a lot of food trucks. But still in Chennai, there are a lot lesser trucks. But I'm hoping that that's sort of I mean. Because there are a couple of trucks in Besanagar. I've seen a few.
1: Yes, I have.
0: There is a popsicle, ice creams or, you know, one more truck. There are nice ones. And the
1: artwork on their trucks are beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's very, very nice. It's and. And most of the media companies are also coming up with some phenomenal ideas and they're very, very creative. It goes well, as in, it's it's a well thought of, you know, concept. It's not just that the branding is amazing and the food does not, is not as, as nice, but it's, it's a good package. uh, Yeah. The whole thing together. I agree. So in fact, there was uh, close to where I live, there was a food truck called Char that just made kebabs and roti and goli sodas and all which was quite nice. It's nice for you to get something fresh. You know, it's very hygienic. It's very clean, visibly very clean. So hopefully uh, again, it's all, all, I think you leave to the corporation and they have to make your life easier and lose in a couple of these very, very strict rules that they have set over a period because they should understand that all of us at end of the day, we are trying to survive in this business. And then once this passes, you're trying to, you know, make good money out of it, hopefully. So I think it's all the authorities, the government, you know, that they have to sort of encourage and let us grow.
1: Yes, I agree. Uh, before I let you go, I've been, uh, you've been posting some really uh, delicious dishes that you've been cooking at home. uh uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you, what is your comfort food after a long day at work or, you know, when you're just uh, irritated with everything around you, what comforts you?
0: So I'm actually a a hardcore carb eater. So after a long day, it has to be some form of a carb. And usually it's a noodle of any form. I'm like a noodle or a a dim sum junkie. It could be Asian, it could be Italian, it could be anything. But as long as it's, it's in a noodle form, it could be, you know, it could be a nice bowl of ramen, or it could be a stir fry, or a mee goreng, or pet thai, Anything. It could even be same. but provided it's like a noodle form, and that's like my. Okay. And, and you will see a lot of similar, very noodle noodle ideas on my, because so that's like my.
1: <laughs> yes, I actually saw quite quite a few uh, posts on that. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. But in a way, this is also. Given me time to work on uh, plant based protein. So it's not like I'm a vegetarian. I am a hardcore okay. vegetarian, but I am tambram, so I don't get, get to cook meat or eat anything at home. <laughs> so I've, um, in fact, Chindi from uh, Pumpkin Tales introduced me to, to someone who's been making amazing plant based uh, protein that has you know, mushroom chunks and shiitake, so it gives you the right texture of meat. So I've been playing around with a lot of those products and I've been absolutely, I've been in love. I, I haven't been missing meat at all. I've been a happy vegetarian for the last three months.
1: That sounds interesting. So you like to cook it yourself or you'd prefer if someone cooked it for
0: you? No, I like to cook. I like, I like my mom's cooking. I don't complain at all mm-hmm. because she is an amazing cook. So other than my mom's cooking and my... Grandmother, both my grandmothers are also amazing folks. But other than that, I'm a very, very fussy person. Like extremely fussy.
1: All right. Thank you so much, matangi for coming so on the show. You
0: in your podcast. And I'm extremely uh, honored also, you know, to be given the opportunity to speak about things that are not spoken about as much. So um, I had a great time. Thank you so much.
1: That's so sweet of you. No, the honor is actually mine because I love... Um, your food every time I want grilled chicken I usually just do it you know straight away without blinking order it from that madras place and I love summer house eatery and I love patina when I met up with you with Rama,
0: thank you so much I'm so glad it's music to my ears
1: <laughs> I hope it all comes back soon hopefully
0: fingers crossed
1: yeah alright take care thank you Thank you for tuning in. You can reach out to Matangi Kumar on Instagram at matangi.kumar and check us out at Maharani Talks. If you liked our show, please subscribe. It's available on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and Stitcher.